Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning the fine test in Maseches Nadarim. Hopefully, we'll get to finish the 10th parak and start chapter 11. Of course, Andrew's not here for chapter 11. We miss you very much, Andrew. Uh, that would be the last chapter in Maseches Nadarim, I believe. Okay, let's start from the last line. Masav of Chista. Second to last line, and I'm Chesem and Bez. What was going on? Rav Hanina made a, just an astonishing halacha. I still can't get over it, Barry. And I think we'll see. This halacha gets kicked out of the base medish over here eventually. But the halacha was a person who does shtika, the passive-aggressive guy. The person who does shtika in order almanas lemeikat. Hashoshik almanas lemeikat. That, as we said, and it's, it's astonishing, Barry, and, and, and that'll be one of the um, attacks on Hanina. The Pasuk says very clearly that, right, in, in the beginning of Parshas Matas, as we've said so many times, in the Torah, in the actual Chumash, where it talks about the Hafara and Ataris Nadarim, it clearly says that when a, a woman, right, let's say a wife, makes a neder, the Baal has a day. It says, Bayom, right, that Be'im Isha Miyom El Yom. How much more explicit does it have to be? If a woman makes a neder and he doesn't acknowledge, almost like a uh, intentionally closing his ears to it, right? Um, which means to say, if he doesn't express any uh, denial of the neder, so then he is in essence tacitly agreeing to this neder because it's assumed, and we'll see what kind of assumptions get made, but it's assumed that the husband probably wouldn't, would say something Right, if he didn't like it, and so it's a task. If he doesn't say that, what does the pasuk say? He's making whatever nether he's making. Oh, it's called and then it doubles down at the end of the pasuk by saying Right, this is by midbar lamed tesvav that that So we already learned so many times that there's a deadline of one day. That at the end of that day, just as the pasuk that we read just said, if he does not do it, it's as if he did what's called hakamas neder, that he actually upheld the neder. And so if that's the case, it is a shocking that Rebbe Chanina would say that no, there's a certain kind of hecharishla, shsika, that is almanat lamekat. And so I'll try to explain before we beat up Rebbe Chanina terribly, and he gets shot down in four different ways, um, like Al Pacino at the end of Scarface, Kaviyachal, um, uh, and uh, at the end, he really gets, gets nailed here. But uh, I'll try to at least at some point uh, explain where he would be coming from. Because after all, we said that intention matters. Intention matters when it comes to Nadarim. And so the question is, intention apparently, according to Rav might matter even according to the Baal. And you know and I know that in life, there's different kind silence, I guess, in a relationship can mean one of a number of things, right? Silence can sometimes be this passive uh, sort of acquiescence, and silence can sometimes be uh, a form of aggression. And so the question is, is, if it's obvious, we'll put it this way, if it's obvious, because as we know, as we already learned yesterday, there's three levels, right? There's silence, that's a tacit agreement, and we saw this even with, with Rebbe, right, and, and Ra, with Rav, right, when we said that Rav, uh, was, was told, was silent, and we've seen it all through Shas already and a few times in Brachos and other places where a Rebbe's silence was un, 
it was ambiguous and we didn't know that was that mean that he agreed or that he disagreed or maybe he was just drinking and we don't know what silence always means that's the point anyways in this case there are levels right so silence could be agreement silence could also be neutral because we're not sure or ambiguous but in this case let's assume or we is talking about a case where the silence is obviously a form of aggression you could tell right so then it's kind of interesting because we had we said that that might be uh, that if it's obvious, okay, so now if it's obvious it's a form of aggression, so then maybe the tables now are turning. If it's a form of aggression, he's so angry by this nether, maybe he means to be Mayfair. The only kasha I would have, Barry, would be, we learned that if a guy doesn't say anything but divorces the wife, we never said that that would be a form of hafaras nadarim. The only thing that we were wondering is, is that nothing or is it hakamas nether? Because there's also a validation of the nether that he's so upset. So, but that's different because then he divorced her in the middle of that same day in that particular case that we learned last week. Here, he's just giving her the silent treatment and it's going on for days. And so Rabbi Hanina said, when he does so, what was the, the, his halacha? That it stretches out throughout the, uh, until we could figure out, you know, what he wants to do. He's actually extending the deadline and uh, even up to 10 days, as Rabbi Hanina says, that we have to figure out what he's, uh, what what his intentions are? Maybe uh, after nine days, when he calms down, he and he's finally mafar the nether. Maybe that hafara would even work. So let's uh, start attacking Rav Chanina as follows. So two lines up from the bottom of Chesam Bez Master of Chista Chomer Barakim Hafer or Barakim Barakim. The Brisa says this is this is not really a Chomer per se, but that Hakama in some ways is more powerful than hafara, and hafara is in some ways more powerful than Hakamas Nadarim. What do we mean? As follows. Chomer Be'akem, as we finally arrive on an intestinal alf, Shashtika Mekayemes. So we've already discussed this. Uh, can you, uh, yeah, I guess you could say it's more powerful, right? You could also say that they're different, but let's say it's more powerful, that when it comes to Hakamas Nadarim, uh, Shtika, as we know, as the Pasuk says, when a person is silent, when a husband is silent, in a, let's say in a stam, which is what's going to be, end up being shot in the brysa, but when a husband is silent, it is tantamount to hakamas nadarm, as opposed to as opposed to hafaras nadarm, where we already said hafaras nadarm requires actual expression. Well, therefore, it would make it seem as though the hakamas nadarm Chomer, in this case, Barry, means is more powerful. It's more powerful because it requires less expression, and therefore it's more ready to right, be effectuated. Um, however, and not only that, but moreover, on top of that, right? just sort of like a, an extension of that same thing, which is that not only uh, right, is shtika mekayemes, but if you're mekayem belave, then it would be kayem. Uh, this is, this is already, is that, is that saying there'll be Mekayim right away? So that, that's, that's um, not really clear, right? In other words, when you read that in the Bryce, it makes it seem like, wait a minute. Uh, like if he's Mekayim at noon, believe it would be Kayim? Maybe not, because how would you know if he's only Mekayim at believe? So this is why the Ran, this prompts the Ran to say that it's just an extension of the Shtika, that how, Ran... You know, the Ron's over here in the Dharam reads like the guy, the best guy in the no, in the Shears notes, right? Like it's just, he talks you through the whole thing. And so the Ron says, the fact that, that 
that shtika over the course of a full day is a tacit agreement, that's how we know that Kiyom Belev is Kayim, right? That's what the, how the Ron spells it out. Okay, so then it's a, an extension of the same halacha. But be that as it may, right, the Brisa says that if he was Mekayim, it just not by expression, but just in his heart, so to speak, so then it's still Kayim. And certainly that's not true for Fara, right? It continues, Hefer Belev, ain't a Mufar. If he's made for Belev, it's not Mufar. Kiyom ain't yachol hafer, hafer ain't yachol kayim. If one is Mekayim and Neder, you can no longer be made for it. And if one is made for a nether, you can no longer be mekayim the nether, right? So that's just, that's just an, uh, the ending of the brisa, okay? So that's the end. That says the brisa. So now, just on this last point, it is true that if you're mekayim, okay, so there's two ways of looking at it. We've already explained, it, I guess, bears mentioning, this is the only rebchayim in all of Masechus Nadarm. Uh, and all of Hilchos Nadarm of the Rambam, I, should, I guess I should say, uh, we've already learned it. And so that was, I believe, on uh, Samach test 10 blad ago, uh, or Nun test, maybe 20 blad ago, whatever, uh, I guess it was, uh, whichever one it was, um, I remember it ending with a test. The point is that the two are not the same, according to Rav Chaim, Hafara and Kiyum. Don't forget, if you're Mekayim and Neder, in, you can't be made for it, but you could undo the hakama with hataras nadarim, and then once you undo the hakama, it's no longer mikuyim, and then you can be made for it. So just just to be clear in the brisa, just so you know, right? When, whereas once you're made for a neder, according to Chaim, there is no neder now to be mikuyim anymore. In other words, you can't resurrect it. We gave for whatever reason Birnbaum's analogy of a snake that you know. If you kill a snake, you cannot revive it, right? Whereas if you feed a snake, you can always kill it later, you know, uh, that kind of thing. That's Rav Chaim. Happens to be, I heard from Ari Leibowitz, that Rabbi Kiva Eger does not hold that. He holds that the two are exactly opposite of each other. Okay, be that as it may, um, that, that, that it's two sides of the same coin. But we'll go with Rav Chaim, uh, and we'll just explain that basically in, in terms of Afar and Hakama, Right, certainly if you're Mekayim and Nether, you can't just do Hafar right away. It has enough of an effect that you cannot do Hafar easily. Be that as it may, the Gemara now asks, Ketani Shashtika Mekayemes. Um, so as many of these questions on Rav Chisa, the previous, on Rav Chanina, the previous question also, the question was simply when you read the Brisa, there is no, basically, any reference to different kinds of shtika, and it makes it sound like any shtika is mekayemet categorically, irrespective of whether, you know, the guy looks like he's fuming and he's doing it out of some sort of passive aggression or a silent treatment or whether he's just being passive uh, without any aggression. And so that is supposedly right against Rabbi Hanina because it sounds like one day would be enough, right, to make this nether mekuyam without any stretching out, even if it was a case of Right uh, of a uh, of, of a shtika in order to be aggressive to his wife. So that's what the Gemara asks. The Gemara asks, "My love, Maybe the Brisa, since it's talking about um, categorically, maybe it's referring even in a case where shokat almanat lamekat, you would still be right um, making the neder in only one day, which is against the. Fundamental rule of Rabbi Harina that with Shoket Almanakat you stretch the deadline beyond that day. So the Nogamar just simply deflects that by saying, Lo, but Shoket Almanakat Lakayim. Right, as we've already said in the, our 
introduction, which is why we gave an introduction, that it's a different type of shotek. It's the type of shotek when you're tacitly agreeing. So then the Gemara again counters and says, Yeah, well, if you're saying that it's the kind of agreement that's a tacit agreement, that is tantamount to kiyum believe, which is already mentioned in the Brisa, so they would make the Brisa redundant, to which the Gemara finally settles on the, on the midway type of shasika, which is Ela B'Shosek Stam, right? And we've already went through this yesterday, where we're trying to figure out, we're making this category sta- categorical statement, which makes it sound where, that when you are Shosek, right, you only have a day, and then at the end of that day, when that day expires, the nether's mikuyam, and then we're saying, wait a minute, it's, uh, mm-hmm. we're not mentioning anything about shtika al-manas lamekat, so it sounds like Rabbi Hanina is wrong, and we say, no, that, that Raisa, that source is only talking about when it's ambiguous, but maybe Rabbi Hanina is still correct, that when it's obvious that this is the aggressive style and treatment, maybe still the deadline would be extended. So let's see another, another uh, example of this. Like this. Okay, wait a minute. Before we ask another question of Hanina, let's kick around this idea of the power of Hakamas Nadarim versus Hafaras Nadarim. We found that, in fact, there is, in some ways, more powerful in Hakama than Hafar, how so? And in Hafar than Hakama. Where do we learn this, those halachas? I read that incorrectly. Again, we know that there's a chumrah of hakama over hafara. And that's true, right? Because hakama, in the beginning of the b'risa, right, I'm rereading this. Hakama in our b'risa, we said, can be done believe. That was the point, right? That hakama happens on its own. At the end of the day, you'll have hakama, whereas hafara has to be explicit. So we see already in our b'risa a source for the fact that Hakama is more powerful than Hafara. Then the Gemara asks, There you go. That's how you read it. How do we know that Hafara can be more powerful than Hakama? Because after all, the Brisa made a statement, right, that each one has its own aspect that makes it more powerful than the other, and then we only so far learned how Hakama is more powerful than Hafara. How is Hafara more powerful than Hakama? See, I wasn't lying to you, Barry. That you could do she'ela on hakamas nadarim, you can't do she'ela on hafaras nadarim, and that is really the source of the Reb Chaim, right? That's the crux of it, right? That once you do hafara, there's no way that you can undo hafaras. Now it's no longer a nether anymore. You'd have to, she'd have to make another nether to revive, right? It would be a totally different nether. That nether is dead from hafara. Whereas hakama, you can get. Hakamas nether, you could still do, right, a she'ela. You could do either she'ela on the nether, or you could do she'ela on the hakama, and then be made for the nether if it's in the same day. Okay? So, we're good, Barry? Yeah. Okay. So now nine lines down on Ayin Tessimit Aleph, Masav Rav Kahana. This is going to be another challenge of Rav Hanina. The Pasuk. The Pasuk says, As we said, What do you do with the Pasuk? The Pasuk seems to clearly say that it's during, that you only have a one day deadline. So says the Gemara, It is a, again, categorical Pasuk. The Pasuk doesn't differentiate between different types of silence. 
So we say, So then we say, wait a minute, are we sure that the Pasuk is referring to where you're doing it aggressively? Maybe it's referring only to the Shosek Amanaslakayim. Yeah, well, the Gemara says, however, Well, we've already outlined that there's three different kinds of Shtika. There's Shtika that's tacitly agreeing, there's Shtika where it's just a silent aggression, and there's the ambiguous shtika in between. So let's assume, so then you look at the structure of the Pasuk, it says, and at the end it says, and then, so the word appears three times, the word yom appears three times, so what the answer is going to be now is, wait a minute, once we say these three things, so maybe it means that in any one of these cases, you would say, well, this Pasuk sounds redundant. Why do we keep saying that he's, hecha, that he's silent three times and we keep saying that he has uh, until the end of the day, at which point he can no longer right, be made for the nether? It must be that by saying this three times, we're trying to cover all three types of shtika. That is what that redundancy is addressing. So now let's read it inside. It says, So let's assume that the first one is in the most... Right, benevolent type of silence where he's tacitly agreeing. What about the right additional allusions to him being silent? So we say, he says, yeah, you have he, the fact that you have another two. It sounds like it's by having it three times, as you as we see, we are actually covering even the shosakamanaslamekat. This is Rav Kahana, who's obviously a giant gone, and he was saying that that is the illusion in the Pasuk, that even a passive-aggressive and a, a silence that's aggressive is going to be something that um, is only going to have a day of a deadline. That is what the Pasuk is trying to say, that every kind of silence will only have a day of a deadline, and therefore the Gemara says, Tiyufta. That was a very solid question on Rav Hanina. Um, okay. Now, again, it said it, uh, three times, but at this point we haven't mentioned it, it says, that the Pasuk says it three times, so the Gemara just finishing up over here says, Velokim stam. The Gemara simply asks, wait a minute, what about the, what about the ambiguous shtika? How is that covered? Right? In other words, how do we jump all the way from tacit agreement to aggressive silence? So the Gemara simply says, yeah. In other words, count how many psukim there are. Is telling you, right, that it's actually three different psukim. And by saying it three times, that's how we know, as the Ron says, Kray Yasir Ksive, you see it three lines up from the wide. Tlasa Kray Ksive, Hecharish, Yacharish, Trey, Ki Hecharish, La, Ha Tlasa. He counts it up for you. That's three. Once you have three, that's how you know it covers all three types of silence that we've discussed, right? The agreeing, agreeable silence the aggressive silence and the silence in between. Uh, as if Rav Hanina wasn't dead in the water already, now we're going to add insult to injury and here comes Rava with the final. Rava and Rava Ashi. Masiv Rava. What does Rava say? Nadrim Chashecha. We already had this Mishnah just recently that we said if a woman makes the vow not never need gefilz to fish again at Shal Shudas, he only has until, right, until Shkia the husband does, to be made for another. So, right, so again, we're alluding now, we're hearkening back to all the different 
places where we learned that you only have until Shkia to be made for her nether, and we're saying, see, uh, where is Rav Kharina coming from? How is he going to explain all these different Mishnayas? So says the Gemara, Right? When we, had, when we learned that, we never said, oh, that's only when he's really agreeably silent. We, said, we assumed that any kind of silence would have you know, met this, with the same deadline at Shkia. Tiyufta. So we say this is a Tiyufta. The question is, <laughs> we've already gone through this so many times, Barry, where we say it's, on, it's, on, it's categorical, and then we said, uh, okay, well, it's categorical, but we don't know. Maybe, maybe it was, in fact, alluding to an agreeable silence. How do we know? And then we say maybe it's when he's, when he's just ambiguous. So, uh, so, right, so Rav Kahana had three psukim. That, that really was a knockout blow. What is Rava adding by bringing up the Mishnah of Erev Shabbos? So I believe the answer is that if the deadline can be extended at all, as Rav Hanina says, then we wouldn't allow it on Shabbos. That's what I think. You see what I'm saying? Because we already learned, when we learned that Mishnah a couple of days ago, that we would prefer not to do the Hafaris Nadarm on Shabbos. So, so I think that the idea is here, we're allowing him to do the Hafaris Nadarm on Shabbos. So if, in fact, there was a scenario, right, where it could be extended, as Rav Hanina said, then maybe we would say, you know what? We can't just categorically, we would have to explain why we're letting him do it on Shabbos, which we don't, right? We just assume that any kind of silence would be uh, going up against the deadline of Shkia, and we're not, we don't have time. We're not going to try to delineate like what is going on in this guy's head. When he's silent, we say, go ahead, do the Afara, because we don't want you to miss the deadline. And it's for that reason that perhaps that mission in particular, because it's on Shabbos, is a raya to Rava against Rabbi Hanina, that in any case, there's going to be a uh, Shkia deadline, so, which the Gemara says to Yufta. That is, in fact, a good question. Fine. Now, Masav Ravashi. Ravashi is bringing us from Mishnah that we haven't learned yet. Coming up in Pezai. Uh, this is a fascinating case. Almost like a, a, a husband says it was a Shogeg. Oh, I knew that it was a Ned there, but I didn't know that I had the power of a Farsan Dharma. I never learned Parshish Matos. Yafer. So we say, it sounds like he can extend it. He can, he can now be made for later. In other words, the moment sounds like and, and, and we'll see, the kasha will be, that sounds like categorically, once you know that it's a neder and you become aware that there's a fara, you need to have both of those qualifications, then it's at that moment that the clock starts. That's the point, right? And, but once the clock starts, no matter what the intention is, it's going to be, uh, you're going to have the 24-hour period or whatever, the, until shkia that day, right, without any right distinction between what kind of silence this was. So let's read it inside. So again, we'll learn this in the Mishnah soon enough, but the husband didn't know that there's such a thing as a Farsan Dharam. Now he finds out that there is Yafir. He could do Hafar. Or Yodea Anishiyesh Mafir. And he knew the Parshas Matas of Farsan Dharam, but any Yodea said Nether. But he didn't know that this statement that the wife made constituted a Nether. So he didn't know that it had to be Hafar. Rabbi Meir Omer Lo Yafir. The Chachamim Omer Yafir. So in the second case, where he didn't where he was aware of a Faris Nadarim, but he didn't know if it applied to this situation, there's a machlokas for Bimeir and Chachamim, be that as it may. What's going on here? The question is, according to Rabbi Meir, right, he can't do Hafara. Why can't he do Hafara? Huh. <laughs> this is an interesting kasha of Ravashi. Ravashi thinks that saying that he didn't know that it was a neder is the same thing 
as being silent in order to harass the wife. Why is it the same thing? So for that, you have to look at the Ran. Five lines down the wide. Aha. So he says, the day that I heard, I didn't know, right? Oh, I'm sorry, right? So he says, it has to be that it's on that day, right? And then he says, Rabbi Meir Omer Lo Yafer. Right, so again, once he knows, all of these cases the Rodin is explaining, once he knows both, this is what we just explained now, uh, once he claims that he has discovery of both things, that's when you know that it is, right, the Nidre Hafara. However, once it's after the Yom Shmiah, since he already knows that he can be made for an Adarim, Mekri Yom Shmiah, it's called Nidre Yom Shmiah. Uh, and then, four lines up from the bottom, it says, Wow. Because he says he didn't, because again, why wasn't he Shosek? Why did he say Lo Yafer? Because it's only if he didn't know that, it, that he could be Mayfair. And for, and for whatever reason, he equates that with being silent only to annoy her. It sounds like, right, um, in other words, right, it sounds like the only argument, really explains the Ron, right, that between Rameer and the Rabbanon is, what does this guy know? It's a very in- unusual raya, to be honest, Barry. It's hard to understand exactly. The only thing that the Ran is explaining is that the contention here between the Chachamim and the Rabbi Meir is, you know, are we going to assume that this guy is sincere in saying that he doesn't know that he has the power of Afara? Now, now again, to, not, to know that this is a nether, not know whether you have the power of Afara, so then everybody's going to agree that's maybe more common, okay, and therefore... You know, we'll wait until he has both the power of Afara, but both the um, the neder and awareness, and also the awareness of the power of Afara. And then they'll both agree that once he gets both, that's when the clock starts. But when he knows already about Afaras Nadarim, it sounds unlikely. And he tells you that he knows about Afaras Nadarim. It sounds unlikely that he wouldn't know that this is a neder. That sounds less likely. And so, really, the machlokas is what's his intent. Like, did he really know that this was an editor? He's not. They're saying, you know, it can't be that he didn't know. Or it could be that he didn't know. But regardless of that argument, that's the only thing they're arguing about. And what they're not arguing about is, what is his deadline? They both seem to be in agreement that if it were true that, right, that, that he was aware, so then the clock would have started. That they both agree on. And here is how I'll explain it outside, now that we read the round inside, is that basically... If it is true that he was aware, but he's, I guess you could say, sort of pretending that he wasn't, right? So then, that is, in fact, sort of like an uh, aggressive, aggressive type of behavior where he's quasi-lying and pretending that he doesn't know that this was a Ned there, and he's just doing it to harass and annoy his wife. And even in that case, even though the Chachamim and the Mayor disagree the, about what his intention might be, the one thing they both agree on is that he'll only have the one-day deadline. 
And therefore, since that is something that they agree on, we're going to say in that case that uh, it is also a Tiyufta Rav Chanina, which, which the Gemara does conclude Tiyufta. That too is a Tiyufta on Rav Chanina. That Machlokas that we'll see in Pezayin seems to be in the spirit of everyone agreeing that you only get a one-day deadline when a woman makes a nether to be made for that nether. Hadron Allah, Naram Rasa. And with that, we conclude the 10th parak and we start the 11th parak at the almost auspicious time of 6.12 a.m., Let's start in the Mishnah on the bottom of Ayin Tesemad Says the Mishnah. Okay. So this we already talked about. This is what the Rambam says. There's a very diff- big difference between the Hafara of the father and the Hafara of the Baal. Whereas a father has, uh, and it makes logical sense. When a father does Hafara's Nadarm, his Right, um, jurisdiction over his daughter, as it were, is it over is over her, her entire general behavior. Right, as a parent, uh, the four daughters of Elzai and Gizunt, they should all live to 120 in good health. Um, Barry knows that at the younger age, when you have jurisdiction, so to speak, over them, you're it's called chinuch. Right, you're you're in charge of everything, so it doesn't matter what the nether was. Right, you're going to be able to say, hey, hey, don't do that. I'm going to be made for you. Okay, and that's really the source of hafara, right? Um, as opposed to uh, when a Baal is, is trying to nip it in the bud, that relationship is certainly a different kind of relationship, right? That relationship is more if it pertains to your relationship. Or, right, so then you're going to say that he has uh, some sort of authority. But she is certainly uh, going to be independent if it, if it has nothing to do with you. Now, if it's Inu Nefesh, if it's in fact Inu Nefesh, so then it can affect him, right? If she, I, I don't know, uh, I don't know if anti-vaxxing is considered Inu Nefesh, but we'll see the, the you know, but, but it can affect the whole family, right? So then there are different cases, right, where it's Inu Nefesh and it can have other effects. So the first case says the Mishnah, let's read inside, Dvarm Shesh, Inu Nefesh, Im Erchatz, Vim Lor Erchatz, whether I will take a shower or not, even kashet, like kashet, if I'm not going to like use uh, perfume and and um, and all, and makeup and deodorant, so then that certainly that says inu nefesh. I'm Rabbi nidre inu nefesh. I agree with Rabbi by the way, as we turn to Ayn Testament base, that affects everyone. If she's not going to shower, Barry, uh, or a deodorant, that could affect everyone. That's not inu nefesh. Inu nefesh means self affliction. Says Rabbi Yosef, What's inu nefesh? There you go. She says she's never going to have right fruit. So again, even though that doesn't affect him directly, right? Because it's not like she's saying I'm never going to shower. She just she's just saying I'm never going to eat fruit. That that also that's considered inu nefesh, and that could have an impact, Barry. She's never going to have fruit that restricts them. Tremendously in life, right? So that, even though it's an Indian nefesh on her, that is also something that the Baal would have jurisdiction over according to Rabbi Yossi. However, she says, Paris Medina zu alai. I'm only going to, what? Again, she's saying she's not going to have that. I'm never, I'm just not going to have any of the produce from Seven Mile Market or from Baltimore. So Yavila Medina Sacharis. Okay, so schlep to wherever, Towson, and get her fruit from there. That's already something that he can make the relationship work and it's not at the category where it affects her and therefore he cannot be made for it again because that's her prerogative, right? In other words, here's the point. If it's something that's, the whole question here, Barry, is what's within the, the husband's jurisdiction? So if it's something that's really going to affect her and affect them collectively, he has jurisdiction. But it's a small little thing that she takes on, 
So then she's allowed to do that. She has the independence to do that. So saying I'm never going to have the produce from Seven Mile Market is something that you would think it, she has the authority to do on her own. She has that independence without the Baal having the uh, ability to be made for her. That's what I'm saying the Rambam says. He explains that this is the difference between the Hipposkins like this. Is the Baal can only be made for a certain Adharm. He is limited like this Mishnah uh, teaches us. And there we get a seven mile, when she says, Paris Chedvani Zayalai, I'm never going to have the seven mile produce, any Yachala Hafer, that again, the Baal doesn't have jurisdiction. She has the independence to do that. However, Yeah, but if he's born and bred, right, Baltimore, and he's kind of has his family minhug to only shop at seven mile, and even Market Maven, he's not Garrison at all. Like he would never set foot in that place. So then you have to say, Hareza Yafer, you know, he can be made for that. He can't live without going to buy produce and seven mile. So we see everything depends on the circumstance, right? Diva Rabbi Yossi. And that's in fact Rabbi Yossi's chat. So looking back and looking into the Gemara now, says the Gemara. Is it true that the Baal can't be made for every nether? You know, this makes it sound like Bain Ishla Ishto, he can also usher. Well, we see that the Baal can be made for Nadarm Okay? So, so what's going on here? It sounds like right? he could be made for. Okay? So, so the Gemara answers. So the question is like this. That's the distinction. That when it comes, there is a distinction. So now again, two categories of things that a Baal can be made for. Something that directly affects them and something that's that affects her to the point so profoundly that it would kind of affect him. And the difference is that at this point in the Gemara, the Gemara says, if it's something that's nefesh to her, it's mefer l'olam, right? It would always be mefer, which is to say, even if they got divorced, Barry, right? Uh, it's, it's, in other words, like this. She says she'll never going to have fruit again, and he's still her husband. He's made for the nether, right? So what does that mean? That the second they get divorced, the nether comes back and takes effect? Is that what you would say? Well, let's see. Uh, right now, the Gemara says that if, in fact, the topic was inu nefesh, so then that was irrespective of their relationship. And if he's made for that, it does not come back again upon divorce. Uh, as we say here, as long as long as she's under him, right? As long as she's married to him. That would be considered a valid hafara. Amazing. The Ran would say that even if they remarry, the Ran adds, uh, that again, that if it's something that is ein bahem Right, inu um, nefesh. Uh, right, those things that that relate only to marriage between him and her. So as long as she's married, it's only going to be uh, a valid hafara. But once they get remarried, I'm sorry. But once they get divorced, the neder comes back if it's something that only has to do between him and her. That's amazing. That in fact it is only a temporary hafara if it's something that's between him and her. So let's say she says, "I'm never going to take a shower," and he's made for that neder. So then, so long as they're married, she, that, that nether is null and void, and she's allowed to take a shower. As soon as they get divorced, she goes back into effect. That's an amazing chiddush. And the Ran adds, even if they get remarried, he's going to have to be made for the nether again, right, if he wants her to shower. Let's reiterate that. 
the idea that Gerishin severs that far as follows. In other words, right? So when it comes to Dvarim if it's only between them, that's what it's referring to. But if it has both components, both Inu Nefesh and Beinolabeina, so then of course, Lochayalea Nidra, right? The nether, the, the nether will not take effect. So, but that just means that the reason why the nether isn't taking effect is because it also has aspects of Inu Nefesh. But if it was only Beinolabeina, so then it would come back and take effect. So it says the Gemara, Are we sure that that's true? That's unbelievable. That if it's a dvarim that that doesn't have inui nefesh, that uh, meaning that it's beinolaveina, right? Something that's only between him and her. When he divorces her, it no longer is chal. That's unbelievable. But none. But we're going to learn soon enough in the mission and pay. Hey, Rabbi Yochanan Benuri Omer Yafer Shema Yegarsheno Tehasuralo. Rabbi Yochanan Benuri says explicitly when a woman makes a nether, the baal should be made for the nether. Why? Because if he divorces her, so let's say a case when a woman says, I'm never going to have Hana from you again. Then wait a minute. He should, he should be made for that nether. Why? Maybe he's planning on divorcing her anyway. And then once he's divorcing her anyway, it's not going to matter. Well, the Gemara suggests, the Mishnah rather says, no, you're going to divorce her and then she's going to be also to, to you. And then maybe you won't be able to go back. What, how do you know you're not going to change your mind? In other words, Barry, if the guy's planning on divorcing her, so he's going to say, you know what? She says, you know what? I've had it with you. You can never have enough for me again. And he says, you know what? I don't care because here's your get. Well, says the Mishnah, don't do that. Before you give the get, be made for the nether because you might change your mind and be machzegushaso. And then when you do, that, that nether will, be, will remain, will actually, right, still be in effect. Well, didn't we just say that it's beinola beina? It only lasts as long as the marriage lasts. So why are we warning him if that's in fact the halacha? Ah, so he said, Oh, I didn't realize. Oh, we went. I went too long with that and realized I got too too caught up in there. So um, we are now uh, resumed tomorrow, in the, um, ten lines up from the bottom of Ayin Tesamid Base. I apologize.